1: We've got something different for you on this week's Gag and Pod feed with the premiere of a new the Sport podcast, Two Sharp Reds, featuring Socceroo's icon Mark Schwarzer in conversation with Ollie Gill in the UK. They'll pour through some fascinating football topics over, you guessed it, a bottle of red, and no doubt there'll be a lot of chat about that as well. We'll be back next week with your regular Gag and Pod chat, but if you enjoy what you've heard here today, well, you're sport for choice now. You can also subscribe to Two Sharp Reds on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Hope you enjoy it.
0: Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Oli Giel.
1: Yes, you're listening to the Two Sharp Reds. Thanks to Optus Sport. And once we've decorked and decanted, myself, Ollie Gill, and of course Australia's third favourite son, Mark Schwarzer, will launch into a bottle of sharp red wine. Over the next 30 minutes or so, we do aim to share our love of the Burgundy grape while dissecting all that the Premier League has to offer. Mark, welcome to the first episode of the Two Sharp Reds. I'm sure you loved that intro. Yeah, mate. Listen, I'm not happy. Already, we, we've just started, and you <laughs> call me third best son. Well, what is that? But uh, who's above you? Hugh Jackman and Burt Newton. Well, you, listen, you're digging a bigger hole,
2: mate. <laughs> I tell you what, unbelievable. I can't believe it. You I, love I'm it. I'm devastated.
1: <laughs> right. Well, have a glass of your... Have a sip of your your red, and I'll get you through. Cheers. Now, I've briefly outlined it in the introduction there, but the two sharp reds... Um, as I, I mentioned, over the course of, of every episode, we will be trying a red wine and talk talking not only about football, which is our, our main love, but our second main love, which is red wine. So I suppose just to give everyone a little bit of context as to to why we're doing this. Why why are we doing this, Mark? (laughs) Well some would say it's just a reason to get together, open up
2: a bottle of red wine and talk about football and
1: just blubber on. And and partly that is the case, isn't it? Let's be honest. So I will add as well, by the end of the episode, uh, ideally we would like to try and compare the bottle of wine that we've just had to a past or present player so this of course mark can be used with uh, emotions smells um anything that um that you might think of it you, you might get flavors at the, the the back of your tongue the the front of your tongue and and anything you might be able to compare to a player yep that's the, definitely the plan
2: and uh i think as we go on we will obviously explore different types of
1: wine yeah different flavours, and I'm sure we'll get through a lot of players. Yourself as a wine drinker, many people know you uh, as a footballer and, of course, the, the work you do with with Optus Sport, but you, why wine? Is it is it just red wine? Is it is it all types of wine? Or is it, you know, what, what is it in particular that draws you to the Burgundy grape? Uh, well, I'm actually, yeah, I'm a red wine, definitely. I'm a red, red wine fan, lover. Um,
2: what drew me to it? I think it was a case of... First and foremost, as an ex-professional athlete, it was the, the fewer calories. Yep. The carbohydrates, obviously, if you compare it with beer, it's very minimal. Um, obviously, higher in sugar. However, it was just something that I would rather drink to enjoy rather than drink volumes of it. And uh, it was about the different tastes, the different different feelings that you have in your mouth. Um, and it was a, a great way, a point of conversation. So, you you, you were able to sit down, have a couple of glasses of wine... And the conversation flows more. Mm. And firstly, it's about your different feelings because of the wine, but also I
1: think it was the relaxed environment that, that, that wine puts me into. Obviously, I mean, I've grown up. I've spent eighteen years in Australia. I'm only very new um, to England, so I've been lucky enough to, to grow up with Australian wines around me. But of course, you left at the time. Uh, how old were you when you went to Germany? Was I was twenty-one years old. Twenty-one. So. so you would say that's almost the time that you would start exploring with, with you know, really. Exploring what your taste buds like and want, but going to Germany, I can't imagine there would be a gigantic wine culture. Or? Uh, white wine, yeah. So Riesling right. is massive. Um, and then I move.
2: I was in Dresden to begin with, so in in uh, Saxony, which is in the east part of Germany, and I moved to the west side in Rheinland Pfalz, which is a very big wine. Say that area. again, sir. Rheinland Pfalz. You've made that up, but yep, no, continue. I haven't. And it's and it's a uh, it's a real wine area. So it's uh, a lot a lot of white wine Riesling. Not that I was a fan of it, but often we drive through the, the the countryside and there'll be people selling their own wine on the side of the street. Yeah. So um, Germany is very well known for it, um, but in terms of actual red wine, no, not not so. Um, but there, there are there are new world wines, uh, you know, evolving, and Austria is one of them as well. So
1: I do don't I don't mind a Pinot Noir that comes out of Austria mm-hmm. as well. So. Now, one thing that that I have picked up on since we've been uh, getting to know each other is you're quite loyal to the country that we might be in. So I'm still very loyal to Australia. So no matter where I am, if there's a Barossa Valley, a McLaren Vale or a Margaret River, I I tend to just naturally gravitate towards one of those wines. Have you got a favourite sort of continent at least, or or country, or, or does it literally just depend on if you're in Spain, you'll have a Spanish wine, yeah, France, you have it, a French it, wine. Yeah, it is
2: actually. So if I go to Spain, I love drinking Spanish wine. And what I actually love doing, I love going to a supermarket and buying not the cheapest red wine, but a very, very affordable red wine, as I do in, in, in uh, France. Like we did in, during the Women's World Cup, yeah. we found ourselves going to supermarkets and buying the most, almost the, the most reasonably priced bottle of wine and saying, okay, let's see how cheap a bottle of wine we can get that is actually a very good quality wine. And you'd be amazed at how little you can pay. Cheers. you just gone straight in there. I I don't know, know, I I go, I'll go for a sniff. I it, you, sniffed. Did you? You've not with your tongue in there. <laughs> right? Oh, early thoughts. Oh, it's in your face. Yeah, that. that's... That's really, really in your face, really strong... Okay.
1: Incredibly strong, and in fact, it actually originated from Germany in the fifteenth century. Did it? So maybe, maybe mm. this is this is you.
2: Yeah, <laughs> this no, is no, the Schwarzer wine. It's is it's it? Not me. No, no, no. Because that is in your face. I'm not in your face. Mm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose one of the major topics, I believe, in the Premier League so far this season is what is going on with Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, it's a season where we would have liked to have seen them go one better from what they tried to almost achieve in the Champions League, push up that table just a little bit more, but they're slipping.
2: They are. Um, the inconsistency that they've shown so far this season has been quite remarkable. When you look at last season, you look at the progression they've had under Maurizio Pochettino, it's, you know, it's been wonderful to see, and you know, the, the accolades have been coming thick and fast, yeah. and everyone just seems very happy and content. Fast forward to this season, and it just seems like a different, a different place. But
1: why? Because for mine, you, you look at the team and it's not really changed, no, I, I suppose you'd
2: say. I, I think there's a couple of key, key, key issues here. Firstly, it's you've got three players, key players, who are coming out of contract. in uh, Christian Eriksen, Jan Fertongen, and um, Toby Aldovera. Yeah, and I mean I know that Toby, Toby Abreu has been going on for a while now, and they've re you know they they obviously extended his contract for another year last season. Had um, a buyout clause, no one took up on it. But I think add to that for Tongan, add that Eriksson to it. Eriksson in the summer saying he wants to leave, um, saying it in a press conference with the Danish national team is never a good thing. Nah. Players do it all the time. You go away a national team, you think you don't even think they know what they're doing there's no doubt about it at all but they go right okay I'm going to say it there's going to be a whirlwind there's going to be a storm and by the time I get back it would have passed over a little bit but I was at the game the other night and Ericsson you could clearly see a lot of fans are still not happy well I'm not happy with him and I don't think that will change and he looks a different player as well and I think it has affected him Him, firstly he has to stay secondly he's running out of contract um, and he's not playing regularly uh, Pro- Pochettino is clearly not happy with him <laughs> Let's talk about Deli Ali. I mean, Deli Ali is an interesting one. He's in, the, he's in the press now. He's got problems with fatigue. He's feeling lethargic. He's getting a lot of injuries, uh, reoccurrence of, of hamstring injuries. And he thinks he's pinpointed it down to diet. Mm. Um, and it's interesting because, I mean, listen, everyone's known that diet's a big part of everyone's life, whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to stay fit, um, and energy levels. You know, you, you eat a big bowl of pasta. How amazing does it taste? Yeah. But then within 10, 15 minutes of of eating that bowl of pasta, you want to go into a food coma. You want to actually, you're mm. almost falling asleep. So, and, 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 it, and, and, we, and when you don't eat it very regularly, when you do eat it, it, it actually gets exaggerated mm. because your body's not used to it. So, I, I went um, towards the last sort of seven years of my career, actually. Um, I decided in, um, in 2010, well, actually, it was actually very late 2009, I decided that, i was gonna i was gonna change my diet completely and so what was it
1: at I, that time i
2: eradicated all uh, all carbohydrates uh-huh. so all pasta rice uh everything like that bread out of my diet completely no no beer no nothing even though i didn't drink a lot of beer but every now and then and i basically just ate protein and carbohydrates and i got my sorry cut protein and vegetables and i got my carbohydrates through my vegetables so, all your green veg and all that sort of stuff, they have their own carbohydrates. So, and uh, I, it took about four or five weeks to yep. my body to adjust. And I went through really difficult periods because, you know, mentally and, and, and also energy levels. And I was still playing and I was, it was in the midst of playing in the season. So, I would go through massive energy lows. I'd go out and warm up for a game, come back in, and I'd be flat as, and I'd, I'd have a bag of nuts in my, in my bag. And I'd just grub it out and I would mm. be scoffing. I'd be throwing it well, down. Was that window. because
1: essentially your body hasn't got used to the change hasn't at got that used time. to the
2: change. It's craving some sort of sugar, some sort of energy uh, hit. And I, would, I, stopped, I stopped drinking all of those uh, you know, the sugary drinks. Mm-hmm. I was just dr- drinking water. So I was, I was looking to, to get it through vegetables and meat and everything else, all my energy and all the stuff that I needed. I, I, I did take supplements. There were definitely mm. supplements I took as well So to try and make up for, for, for shortfalls. And uh, after that four five week period, I felt an amazing change in, in in how I felt generally. My energy levels went through the roof. I wasn't feeling as anywhere near as as lethargic as I had previously. I stopped drinking milk. That was a big mm. thing. I used to drink lattes all the time. I love coffee. My coffee is one of my one of my biggest uh, uh, sort of like um, hindrances not hindrances but my flaws or, or, or negative parts of my. Yeah. I, I, I would I just love drinking coffee and that's uh, my vice that's what i was looking for and thanks for the help by the way yeah no i just wanted to see sweat
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
2: and um i went from white coffee all the time to straight black coffee and again that was another big change it took ages and now i can't drink a white coffee mm. and the flavors you get are so much more pronounced um so yeah so that changed everything body fat dropped became leaner became stronger i felt good and it definitely
1: helped me prolong my career. So if you're Deli Ali, still quite a young man, um, at what point or, or how drastic do you need to go? Because from, a, from an outsider's perspective, because again, the great thing about um, the way we talk about these sort of things is we've got to, two completely different situations where in my mind as, as clearly not a professional footballer or athlete or professional fit person whatsoever, um, you go, okay, well, you know, A healthy ham salad sandwich, you know, really, realistically, is the bread really going to bog you down that much? But at what point does he have to go, yeah, I can't do that? Or I have to go full vegetarian? Like, how drastic does he need to go? Well, the way that the the, the
2: technology is these days, you can do various tests. So you can see if you have tolerance levels or varying tolerance levels against various food groups. I've done that as well. So I know the various food items that I shouldn't really eat because I have... I have a, an intolerance to it, um, and it's varying in degrees of it. So, so some of it can be just very minor. Some of it can be the changes can be very minor, but they the, the little ones along the way can all add up. And if you're in a professional athlete where you're working, you know, six six days a week, seven days a week, and, I, and I, when I say working, I, I include not training but diet and then recovery and so forth in all of that because you you eat, sleep, and live it every day um there's always exceptions to the rules um, but that's why they don't have a, lo- a longevity in the game sure. um and someone like Deli Ali who's looking at it and going okay the last 18 months to possibly even two seasons his form's dropped dramatically yep. and he finds himself out of the team now and he he, he he's he's really looking for answers he's ha- he's been injured continuously he's got a mental um sort of uh, block or or a uh, feeling mentally fatigued feeling physically fatigued partially because his forms drop so much he can't find answers and he continues to get injured. Then there's the diet aspect. So you have these checks and you find out, okay, I have intolerances against various food groups. If I cut them out, that's gonna all contribute to me feeling better, yeah. which will then be an uplift in my mental health, be up in my in my positive uh, outlook on various situations. And then maybe it'll help me keep keep me on the football pitch longer. So I can try and get some continuity. I can try and get regain that form again. And I'm surprised, actually, in a way, that it's
1: taken him so long to actually come to this point. And uh, sorry, but you can't. You, I I almost refuse to believe you can just put uh, bad form down to the fact that you're having too much carbohydrates. Sure, surely, no, it's almost no, no, not, not just that
2: one sp- specific thing. It's a combination of things. So he's got a combination of issues. He's been injured a lot, which coincides with bad form, and. He stro- his recovery time is quite long so you've got to look at various things I mean I, I just an example I broke my back right I broke, a, I broke my my T9 in my back so the, the vertebrae mm-hmm. I shattered the top 10% which which is it's, it's, it's fine you can walk you can do all that sort of stuff but once you compromise your vertebrae they shatter they don't just break like a, like a bone in your arm or your leg they yeah. shatter and once you shatter that there's you don't walk anymore mm. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an element of very seriousness to it. Um, so long as you do the right thing, it's fine. And, and after two weeks of complete rest, no lifting, nothing, no, no, no exerting myself, walking very, very carefully downstairs, all that sort of stuff for the first two weeks, then the recovery period, you, you, you increase it and you're doing exercises, various exercises, swimming and so forth and carry on. But part of that is your diet. Yeah because it gives you energy you have a positive outlook on things I was training four times a day then the minute I started training again, I was back to two t- times a day three times a day then I, I got up to four times a day I went from breaking my, my bone in my back to back playing in 10 weeks from start to finish and and part of that there's a whole combination of things it's mental toughness it's desire it's determination it's it's fitness it's it's diet it's all of that all in one if you don't have that if something's missing, it has, an, has a knock-on effect to the other thing. And that is how f- how fine-tuning you can go. And someone like Deli he's at a point where he has to break it down to the littlest em- elements because he gets one thing right, he turns one thing around, it could potentially unlock the rest and help the others fall into a line.
1: Have you ever sort of thought about going down the vegetarian or vegan route? Because, say, for example, like a Hector Bellerin's been quite open with his... Um uh, transition into being uh, not just vegetarian but vegan and he's obviously Chris telling... Smalling's another one at Chris matches. Smalling yeah exactly oh, is that Roma now um, and, and hearing someone like Hector Biller and talk about the fact that obviously he's just had a um, well coming back from a, a pretty horrendous knee injury but he felt like his recovery was just, it felt better it felt easier do you see being vegan as an option for, for professional players I, I think
2: it's uh, it's definitely an option why not um, and it's you've got to be Mentally, really strong because the change is very significant at the beginning, and that's the biggest challenge over the course of however many weeks. So, like I said before, for me, it was like a four or five week period of my body adapting from not eating carbohydrates, restricting the amount of gluten I ate, very little gluten. Um, you know, uh, dairy. I ate very little dairy. So I cut so much out of my d- And I went from one day to the next. Mm. So I went extreme. Some people would phase in and at- phase stuff out as they go along. But I went, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it all in one go. And I'm just going to get it over with and do it. And I maintained it for seven years. And the only reason I stopped was once I stopped playing football. And I thought, well, there's no point. I don't need to be extreme anymore. Mm. And uh, let's just try and. Let, let, let's try and be moderate with the way I, I live my life and that's why I'm still trying to find balance sure. <laughs> in my life
1: post football is, is that a genuine... I mean, uh, clearly it, it must be a genuine... Maybe not concern not the right word, but you would be thinking about that when you when you leave a professional career in being fit. It's, <laughs> a, challenge. it's a challenge. It yeah.
2: really is because you are so accustomed to training most days and the levels at which you're training are huge. I mean, I... The last 18 months, I traveled four and a half hours round trip every day to, to Leicester from here. And I, for various reasons, begin, at the beginning, I, I, I rented an apartment in Leicester, actually for the entire period I was there. And I stayed up there for the first probably two months quite quite frequently, probably three days a week. Then then I had a big falling out with Nigel Pearson, the manager at the time, and my head completely went and I went, you know what, I'm not going to spend any more time up here than I need to. I'm not playing. The managers lied to me. I've come up here, and I'm not going to stay here as long as I'm
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood f- so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Any, any minute longer than I have to. So I was traveling. So basically for about 13, 14 months, I was traveling back and forth every day. Uh, or most days. The only time I'd stay up is if the day before a game, if the game was at a three o'clock kick off the next day. If it was an eight o'clock kick off the next night, I would still go home and travel up the day of the game. And you, you're we're living in London at I'm this I'm living point, in yeah. London, yeah. So it, well, if you live centrally in London, to get to Leicester is an hour and five minutes on the train. But I live a little bit on the outskirts. So it's going into London, going out again, and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it was tough. So at the end of my career, I was actually mentally fatigued. Um, I wasn't physically fatigued. It was all mental. And I was leaving here. I was getting up at 6 o'clock every, well, I was getting up at 5.30 in the morning, catching the 6 a.m. train. And I was home again by 3.30 in the afternoon, but it was nonstop, the whole yeah. way. Bang, hit the ground running, train, gym, train again, on the, straight off the pitch, showered, on the train, back home. And <clears throat> it was a challenge. So at the end of it, I was mentally shot. So for 12 months, I did no exercise whatsoever. I just shut off. And my wife kept trying to encourage me, Come, let's go for a run, let's do mm-hmm. this. And I'm like, nah. No, I just could not. And then once or twice I went for a run and then it hurts. Yeah. You know, when you don't train, it hurts. And I, I, and I, was, I was losing a battle in my head. My, my head was going, why are you hurting yourself? You don't need to. You don't get paid to run anymore. You don't get paid to be fit anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do this. Just enjoy your life. And then I got to a point where I actually put on about ten, twelve kilograms, and I went, "Well, oh, you're fat." Yeah. that's my own personal thing, you know. I was. So I'm uh, assuming this was
1: pre opto Sport before we could see you on the screen. Uh,
2: <laughs> no, it was during that period. I was, I was, because I went straight from finishing playing football to to then mm. doing TV work, and I started to realise seeing yourself on TV, seeing how you looked, suits not fitting me anymore. I actually, funny enough, I went back to Australia and I went and I did a, an appearance with Optus Sport during the Confed's Cup. Semi final, so the final, third and fourth player from the final. And I saw myself, I I, I had to dig out a suit that I'd worn years before. And I saw myself on TV and I went, wow, Mm. that suit is going in the bin. And I've got to lose weight. I've got to sort myself out. And that was the turning moment. So that was 12 months after I'd finished playing. So
1: you diet during this time was. No,
2: I just went, I ate literally anything. I ate whatever, drank whatever. I drank lots of beer. I, I didn't drink lots of beer. I drank beer. Yeah. I like ate whatever I wanted to eat. I binged on chocolate, biscuits. I did all the stuff that I wasn't doing for seven years. So I went the other extreme. And now I still am trying to find balance,
1: but I'm nowhere near as extreme. Oh, I am, I'm enjoying this. I've got to say I'm a real sucker, Mark, for... Um, South Australian wines. I spent a, a few years in Adelaide. Anything from the Barossa or McLaren Vale, I just tend to look at it and grab it. I don't need to know anything about it. Are you enjoying it?
2: I am. Yeah. Listen, it's not normally the type of wine I would go for because it's so in your face. and right. so heavy. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've got someone in mind. And, okay. And, and, I, and I played with him for a, for a number of years and he was literally
1: in your face at times. Okay. <laughs> right. It's demanding. Okay, so we'll say no more. I'll let the bottle just continue yep. to decanter as you yep. sniff and smell your way through the, the list of uh, people that you've played with. Can I ask you, I have actually always wanted to know this. If, I'm, if someone goes, right, Footy Colours Day, you've got to you know, um, bring the scarf of what team you go for, I'd go, you know, immediately grab my Arsenal scarf. Yep. You don't even yep. need to think. Yep. Who who would you grab first out of the, the scarves that you've got lined up? Green and gold, mate. Respect. Green and gold. That's nah, the, you
2: know what, I... I I didn't. I don't really. I, I have a connection to all the clubs that I played for, so I have a soft spot for all of them, and I hope they all do well. I don't have one that I say that's my team. I used to, as a kid growing up, I used to support Liverpool because of Craig Johnson who yep. was playing. Um, but then once he stopped playing, I, I just sort of drifted away, and then I followed a bit more German football. So yeah, there's not one specific side that I say, "Yep, yeah, that's my team." So
1: one one team in particular. I was hesitant to talk about because you absolutely launched an annihilate for me uh, being an Arsenal fan and that, you know, that's, you're well within your right but it is time that we talk 4-1 about... 4-1 Europa League final. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know what? The way I said that was as if I had a really great comeback. Yes. I had nothing. No, no. I literally oh, no. had nothing so I'm just going to have a sip of my show war- up. That's
2: red. probably the best thing to do, mate. But what, what is happening with your team? Let's be honest. I want to ask you a question, right? Yep. Yeah. Are Arsenal... A better team now under UNA Emery than when they were under Arsene Wenger.
1: I think, and an incredibly difficult one to answer when you're not a part of the inner circle. But I say yes because there feels like there's hope there. I think that if you compare them quite literally, I don't think they've improved that much. But I think it feels different. So there's is there a direction? Hope,
2: is there hope because Arsene Wenger is no longer there and he doesn't control everything? Because, but I you, wonder
1: how much. Look, one thing that used to always annoy me with fans going, "Oh, Mr. Wenger, you, don't put, you don't, you don't, know, you know, you know, put your hand in your wallet, actually buy a big player." I, I know that managers are different to coaches of different sports. You know, if you were to compare it to the AFL or, or, or in cricket, you know, the coach is responsible for coaching the players, and I understand that a manager there's more to do. Yeah. Uh, arguably, they're also the face of of what happens in the off season, but. There's a lot of people involved in the background staff that are responsible for who comes in and out and how much money they spend.
2: Now, yes, not before. So before, it's a bit like... It's that era. So it was the Alex Ferguson... Yeah, and how good was he doing, though? He ran that whole thing, and everything went through him. And yes, he had people doing the, the, the groundwork. However, he dictated everything. Nothing happened unless he said it would happen. Arsenal was the same at at, uh, at Arsenal. But when that,
1: slight, when that started to change, that's where Arsenal started to oh, drop so off. So you're
2: saying that... Arsenal should have maintained full control and therefore they never would have dropped off.
1: My, my argument is that the people have wanted the wrong people out of the club. I okay. think it was time for him to move on, but that's where I feel like a breath of fresh air um, in terms of looking at our performances, it looks the same yes. in, in a way. like it, it doesn't look like Arsenal have improved that much. But it feels like the fact they've brought in Edu with, you know, as the technical director, there's, there has been some changes. The Cronky family have been a lot more forthcoming and, and quite honest that there will be big players. And they actually did really well in the, the transfer window. Pepe? It, it remains it's to be seen. 75 million? It, it remains to be seen. But the I mean, actual, Martin
2: Keown's has just the, come out and said they've been, they've been ripped off with him.
1: But the intent was fantastic. The the, the intent of actually doing it the way they did it. That's the problem, see. that's
2: That's the thing with fans. You think because someone goes and pays £75 million for a player, they go, that's the intent. That's what we want to see. That's what we want to see. We want to see millions and millions and millions of money put out there. And let's just hope the player's good. Oh, he's actually not as good as he should have been. Oh, geez, Actually, they've made a mistake there, haven't they?
1: Uh, I I resent that because what I liked was the intent of going, no, 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 we want that player. We don't actually have that amount of money. And the way that they... We're able to manoeuvre around it with with um, you know staggered payments over the next few. You're seasons. you're still paying 75 million. Yes, you are. But the point is that if you look at Aston Villa, which we talked about, they just that's panic. And that's, you could have you could, have bought a, you a could have bought a Virgil there. Van
2: Dyke for 75 million. Yeah, well that's back true. in the
1: day. Well, that's true. I
2: don't. So, I, I you know don't really saying, it's about that. picking the right player. You know, the right. I mean, you, you look at the young players that are coming through. I mean, mm-hmm. you 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 look at them now and and you go, wow. Why do they go and spend? That sort of money on Pepe, when you've got young talented players, I mean Joe Joe Willock, yep. really, really good player. He's done very well. Saka. Come on come on come on and play the other day. Play or play the other day. And yeah, and the and, and the big talk was, actually, why go and spend seventy five million on Pepe when you've got Saka there? And Pepe's probably gonna hinder Saka's development because he's not going to get enough game time. Well, he is at the Pepe. moment,
1: though, to be fair.
2: Well, yeah, is at the moment, but how long will that go for?
1: Yeah, Because
2: yeah, I- of the pressure. When you pay 75 million pounds for a player and a club like Arsenal who have had to go and find the money, mm. try and work out a way to try and sign the player, Cronk well, is going to go say, hey, "In on a second, you pushed and wanted this player so badly, we've done this, this, this and that to get him, and now you're not even playing
1: him? I still feel like across the board it's more exciting uh, considering they've also gone out and got the likes of Saliba, sent him back back to um, France on loan. And, and, and there feels like across the board, when you look at the signings and the subtle changes that we've seen on the pitch, that for, for myself as a fan, and, and to be fair, as a journalist looking on the outside, it feels like there's a clear direction. However, if you were to compare this to Manchester United... I don't know what their direction is. I don't that, uh, no. I don't know what well, they stand for, what they want to be, they where they want know. to go. They don't know what direction they're,
2: they're going in. They don't know what they stand for currently. They are still living in the past. Oli Goodison came in and said, we well, want to bring that same ethos back, that mentality back of when we are under Alex Ferguson. And you know what? So Alex Ferguson was incredible. What he did, it will probably never, ever be eclipsed. Move on. It's a different time. It's a different generation. You've got different types of players. You haven't got... You know, yeah, Paul Scholes, Nicky Butts, you know David Beckham. You haven't got those players coming through the academy. You know the Neville brothers. You haven't got that. But what, why
1: is that? Because from from what I've seen, it doesn't look like the academy's any different.
2: Yeah, but oh, no, there's is been lots the- and lots of changes with the academy. They mm-hmm. they they weren't run very well for for quite a period of time, and it's been completely restructured again. And now you've now you've got uh, Paul. I uh, Paul Skulls I think it is. No, uh, yeah. Paul Scholes or Nicky Butt. Nicky Butt's running the academy right, right. now. So um, it is changing, and that's only just recently been appointed. So um, they're going to start bringing players. Well, you see already there's some younger players coming through and getting opportunities to play for Manchester United. Are they of the level of what they had in the past? Hmm, you know, only time will tell. Uh, Lingard, Rashford, they've come through the academy. I mean, the jury's still out. A lot of people have this thing about Jesse Lingard. He's nowhere near as good as what they all make out to be. I still think he's a very good player. Um Marcus Rashford, they need to develop. The problem they've got is they've stopped developing. They've stagnated. They haven't become better players. And that's partly because of the players around them and partly because of the amount of changes they've had as managers, the, the lack of direction.
1: Yeah, well, what about a Tammy Abraham? You know, he, he's now arguably a more well-rounded striker than Marcus Rashford. So was that a fluke? Terms- was it a
2: fluke that Chelsea are where they are right now and the only reason they are where they are right now is because of their force in this position. I yeah.
1: don't know if you heard that story about Son Hun Min, who's probably fast becoming the world's most likeable footballer across the board, again, coming from, from an Arsenal fan. Uh, but apparently he has learnt English, not, not exclusively no, German. From, German. from
2: German. When he first went over to Germany, he learnt to speak German, or helped what helped him to learn to speak German was listening to the song from Spongebob.
1: What song was that? Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants sure. to learn German. I tell you what, in my life I never thought I'd hear you just you mutter the words a foot away from me, SquarePants. SquarePants. I never thought I'd hear you say that. But hey, you've got to do it. You I, know, we learnt, Jürgen Klopp watched his friends to learn English. You, yes, How did right. you learn German? I, well,
2: I, I was... I was brought into a family with it So my parents spoke it at home So right. i that was my first language that I learned My right. parents were speaking German at home
1: So how are you learning English now? I,
2: I'm still I'm going to classes Yeah Yeah, two, three days a week Nice Yeah, I actually think you need to go
1: <laughs> Well, I speak I still I, speak I, Tasmanian. I don't understand a word you say <laughs> Yeah, but you've lost a little bit of your you've Massively lost your twang
2: Well, I've been here for 23 years 23 Doesn't matter years. Yeah. Doesn't matter Wait, mate, i tell you what It won't be long You'll yeah. lose yours as well Mm. You, you know, actually, you know what? Looking at you now, right? With your moustache, your hair done up in a ponytail or a man bun—whatever you want to call it—the return of the mullet.
1: Yeah, no, I beautiful. Is it? How mate, good it's is beautiful.
2: Is it? All Blacks, uh, Jack Good, Goodho. Yeah, he's become
1: a bit of a sensation in Japan. Yeah. World sensation in rugby. What a mullet that is, mate! It's—it's it's an incredible thing in the world of sport. It's like if you think you're not quite good enough. Give yourself a mullet and then immediately you're a cult hero and people will never forget you. Did you have a mullet growing up? No, but can I t- briefly tell you about my what my next three stages are? What's so that? I'm growing my hair at the moment. Yes. Next stage is perm. Right. Next stage is dye blonde. Are you generally going to have a perm? Yeah, I was going to get a birthday perm from my girlfriend, but then we realised my hair wasn't long enough, so to tighten up like Annie, you know, like that, it would be like, almost like an afro. Okay. So now I'm going to get a Christmas perm. We're gonna get, I'm so thinking
2: Charlene from Neighbours. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah,
1: more Michael Hutchins. Michael Hutchins. Yeah, probably that's a bit.
2: That's quite longy though, there, isn't it? Exactly right. So, that's why so I you it long longer. And then you want to so hang down a bit more.
1: Then I'm going to get, so perm the front, do a little front fringe. So it'll be like an 80s mop. Then cut it down to a mullet, so it'll be proper Ryan Grant. Oh, you It's going to be go, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: that's my next one, Ryan Grant. Yeah. I mean, he, he started that uh, revolution, hasn't
1: he? Well, in the football world, yes. I mean, the AFL, I mean, again, you've lost touch with Australia so much that I, I don't think you're Australian anymore, but you would see oh, in the that's AFL. Below, that's below the belt. <laughs> you would see the AFL, there's been a numerous amount of malaise over, over the course of the year, but in the A League and specifically the Premier League, people in the Premier League, you know, they're too fancy. They're way too fancy. It's all yeah. about short back and sides. We're after a fade. No, 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 no. Enter Ryan Grant.
2: But wasn't wasn't Neymar at the World Cup almost as bad as a as bad as a, a mullet in so many ways? Well,
1: the problem the was the first one, the
2: first haircut. You the, remember he got, he got reelected really yeah. cool for it.
1: The problem is, is that. Uh, when people take the piss out of a mullet, I don't understand it because I genuinely think the mullet is a great look. Do the you? problem is, is that Neymar didn't he didn't have a mullet, mate. That I, was I, I that a was a butchered mullet. I had a mullet. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I so had a mullet when I was like 15 years old. I yeah. Could so picture I've got a that. picture
2: with Palais. And I've got a mullet. At the the 1989 uh, Under 16s World Cup in Scotland. Is that? There's front page of World Soccer magazine.
1: And it's me with a mullet and Palais. <laughs> So that's almost the time we've we've got for him here on the two Sharp Reds. We've we've covered some topics. We have. We've really, you know, there's been some controversial statements. There's been some. There's been some insults being thrown across the Ma- room. Mainly from you. Mainly from mainly from me. Yeah, believe it or not, I don't mean them. I, just, <laughs> I look at you and I panic.
2: So right, I got thick skin, mate. I'm used to it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: But going back to what we're we're here for, it's it's the love of red wine. Yes. And it's the love of of sharing that together um, and. Matching it, not with uh, a beautiful steak, but matching it with fine footballing conversation. Uh, this this red wine that we're trying today was the Black Craft Shiraz from the Barossa Valley, arguably one of uh, the, the best wine region in Australia, you, you'd have to say. And coming towards the end of the episode, our aim was to compare this wine to a past or present player. Um, so... You've been alluding to, to someone. Is it time? Have you decided? Yeah, I have. I've decided. I mean, I decided
2: when I actually pretty much when the wine hit my lips. It was like, yeah, okay, I know who this is. And and uh, he, he's a player that um, I said, you know, he played in, uh, played in Holland, played in uh, Spain, uh, England, played a number of teams in England, fantastic player. Uh, he was, he's retired obviously now for quite a number of years and um, demanding player on the football pitch. He was just... Demanded from his teammates all the time, in your face, brutal at times as well. Even off the pitch could be brutal. Um, so yeah, um, played for, played for played for Chelsea, Leeds United, Middlesbrough, Atletico Madrid. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Really? Yeah, Jimmy Flo- Floyd Hasselbank. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So and would, it, uh, would he agree with that, do you big, think? Big, big, feisty, big, heavy wine, this one, and that's Jimmy Floyd has Hasselbein.
1: I like it. I like yeah. it a
2: lot. All right, yeah, I, I think he'd agree with it. Nah. Yeah, he likes his, He doesn't mind a red wine as well. And, I, and I think, He'd be comfortable with that? Yeah, my description. Yeah, I mean, I
1: don't, I don't think that. I mean, it's, it's kind of a compliment, really, in a way. He backhanded a compliment, let's put it that way. <laughs> okay well well I've 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 actually been really struggling with this it it turns out it's not as easy as it sounds to compare a bottle of red to a footballer um but I, I you've done a fantastic job and I'm going for this bottle doesn't look out of place on the shelf but it's probably not found on the right shelf um for me it's not so bad when you see it and when you taste it, but t- towards the end, when you're swallowing it at the back of your throat, right at the back there, that's where it just all goes wrong for me. Yeah. Skodra Mustafi. <laughs>
2: that's a shock. That's a shock he's an Arsenal player.
1: That's uh, well, it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's, um, you see it, I think, great. Barossa Valley, German, you know, yeah. you think that yeah. he's from good ilk. Yeah. He's, um, he's, you know, this bottle of red doesn't, necessarily look out of place on the shelf but it's on the wrong shelf right, okay. and I, I don't think that he's in the right place he's not yeah. good enough and and again when you see him walk out there you think this this won't be this won't be bad I'll, I'll quite enjoy this and then when it, the ball goes into the back there that's where it all goes terribly terribly wrong and on that note
2: boom <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mark thank you very much for the first episode of the two sharp reds um we'll be back very shortly I, I, I hope I hope so. I hope. Good fun. I enjoyed it. And, and it's a nice <laughs> bottle of red wine, really. Beautiful bottle of red. Beautiful bottle of red. We're not, we're, you know, we're being critical, but in, in a playful way. Absolutely. Well, we're growing together, aren't we? We certainly are. We are getting there. Mark, thank you very much. No, it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Of course it's been yours. <laughs> it's exactly right. <laughs> it has. Um, anyway, we will be back next week. We'll be trying a different bottle of wine. So please, if you've got any real suggestions, we've now done a, a French wine and an Australian wine. So send your messages in to Mark. It can be about football, about wine. Ask me about um, poorly grown moustaches and, and bad Az- Aztec shirts. Cheers.